There are only two Gospels in the world, one of divine accomplishment and the other of human achievement. The question is, which one are you listening to? Is the Gospel that you preach or hear preached the Gospel that saves those who are beyond human aid, the powerless, helpless sinner who needs to be rescued or else they will certainly perish? Or is a a gospel of Christianized self-help, whereby the gospel is that God has made a way for them to help save themselves? Now, as absurd as that may seem in the latter gospel, it is pretty common these days. And so I want to just remind you of the good news the glorious good news that God has sent his Son into the world not to save those who were easily saved or who had already saved themselves to the to the most important degree and that Jesus came just to kind of help them get over the top. Or even that Jesus came to uh, make salvation simply possible, subject to your free will or your choice or your your work or your participation. No, the gospel of the apostles, the gospel we find in the New Testament, indeed in all of Scripture, is that of a gracious act of a sovereign God to save those from their own dep- depravity and sin to the point where they were beyond human aid. What's even more important is that being beyond human aid, they were oblivious and even hard in their hearts towards that reality. No one ever comes to Christ because they were looking for him on their own initiative. No one ever comes to Christ because they inherently long to know Christ. No one comes to me, said Jesus in John chapter 6, unless the Father draws him. This is so important. It's such an important principle for so many reasons. As a pastoral counselor, I spend my time working with people for whom philosophy has failed and for whom even a lot of religiosity has failed. Self-help has failed. Psychological theories have failed. And so often before me are those people for whom the gospel came into the world. The gospel being the personification of the gospel in Jesus Christ. As someone sits behind in front of me in my counseling chair, as I see them and I listen to them, and I realize that this is a person who simply cannot save themselves as desperately as they may have tried. And oftentimes tried within the context of Christianity. It is such a pleasure and it is such a glorious privilege for me to share with them that the gospel is of God's rescuing of them in their inability to save themselves. And give them hope. A hope that isn't centered on themselves. 
a hope that isn't centered on some religious tradition or some view of the sacraments uh, or some kind of liturgy, but upon the person and work, the finished work of Jesus Christ. I once heard of a man in an AA meeting who introduced himself like this. He said, quote, My name is Frank, and I'm an alcoholic, which means I'm going to drink today, and that means I'll die, unless I'm saved from it, and I cannot save myself. End quote. That is some of the most profound theology I've ever heard. It is that man was near the kingdom of God. He might have been a Christian, I don't know, but he certainly understands the gospel principle that salvation is of the Lord. It doesn't originate within us. It doesn't. Um, it isn't based upon any merit within us. Salvation is the work, the gracious work of a sovereign God who reaches into history by sending his son and rescuing us from that we have no ability to rescue ourselves from. And, as I said a few minutes ago, not even the desire to rescue ourselves from. I don't know that the uh, human condition could be any better described than that. It is an awful, horrific condition. It's one thing to be lost and hoping to be found. It's another thing to be lost and not realizing you're lost, not caring that you're lost, and not hoping to be found. In fact, to be resisting anyone looking for you. That was the condition we were all in when God graciously moved upon our hearts through the hearing of the gospel, regenerated our minds and our wills, and that the eyes of our uh, understanding were enlightened to, so that we saw Jesus in all his beauty, in all his glory, and in all his sufficiency. Let me uh, just close with a text from Ephesians chapter 2, which is a, such a good reminder. I mean, it would be good for any of us to read this daily. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And let me just say as a, as a preface, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 is mostly the setting forth of the glorious good news of what God has done on our behalf and how that he in Jesus has given us new hope and that we are blessed in Christ we are saved in Christ we are renewed in Christ and then having believed we are sealed with the Holy Spirit Paul goes on in chapter 1 by saying that he, ever since he's heard about the faith of the Ephesians in the Lord Jesus and their love for all of God's people that he continues to pray for them. And he prays that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened in order that they may know the hope to which they have been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. 
and his incomparably, incomparably great power for us who believe. He goes on to say also that the power that he just spoke of is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule or rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That is everything that God has done. And then chapter 2 begins with this. As for you, in the NIV, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So chapter 1 lays forth, sets forth this wonderful, amazing gospel that we have received so graciously in the power that God has exercised in raising us from the dead. But it's all of the Lord. And so Paul begins in the first verses of chapter 2. Of course, he didn't have chapters like we do. But he continues his declaration by saying, As for you, everything, everything that God did is what God did graciously, sovereignly, wonderfully. As for you, what you did was simply be dead in your trans transgressions and sins. And you probably can imagine that a dead person cannot respond on their own. They cannot respond to stimuli. And so being dead in our trespasses and sins in which we used to live, it goes on to say, when you follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is not working those who are disobedient, we needed to be regenerate. We needed to be regenerated, renewed, given new life before we could ever respond. All of us also, verse 3 continues, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. God did not look at us and say, Oh, you're so lovable. I must send my son to save you. <laughs> That's simply, I know there's a lot of popular preaching around that notion, but it's simply not true. We were deserving of wrath. And then verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. Wow. End quote. So let me close with that question once again. Is the gospel that you preach or the gospel that you hear regularly a gospel that tells those who are beyond human aid that God has acted in his Son to deliver them from their sins and from the righteous judgment that awaits? Or is it a gospel that really boils down to simply a Christianized form of self-help and self-salvation? Those are the only two Gospels out there. And sadly, tragically, the latter, that Gospel of human achievement, is by far the most popular. So I invite you, if that's the Gospel you're hearing, to resist it. If you have to, leave where you're listening to it. Find someplace, if possible these days, where you can actually hear the gospel of your salvation, the salvation that is given you by a gracious act of a sovereign God and his all-sufficient Son, and applied by the Spirit. May the Lord continue to strengthen you and encourage you and grow you up in his Son. Amen.